What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Today, I brought you all a very special guest, Aaron Washington. Aaron is a Heat fan like myself. And he, we both attended this year's edition of Sports Business Classroom. He also hosts his own podcast, Business Casual Bas- Basketball Podcast. Check it out. So without further ado, please welcome Aaron Washington. Aaron, how's life been treating you lately, buddy? It's fantastic, man. It's even better now that uh, Miami has solidified their spot in the finals uh, against an old foe, LeBron James and the Lakers. Uh, so I'm just loving this playoff run, man. And I know it's going to be a little bit before we have some basketball again after this. So I'm just trying to take it all in and enjoy it. Uh, just loving life, man. No, no stress in this series. I'm just gonna just enjoy it and have fun with it, you know. Yeah, man, absolutely. The storylines for this series are are probably some of the best I've ever seen. Like LeBron against his former team. Uh, I've been asking myself: is, is has there ever been like a final series where a player who won Finals MVP with his opponent? This has that ever happened? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Uh, you know, it, it could have been, it could have happened this year with, you know, if the Clippers and Raptors had matched up in the finals, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, no historical examples come to mind for me, JJ. So this might be a one-off storyline, which makes it an even more compelling series and, uh, gives us another reason to get excited about it and just want to follow all the way through, uh, step-by-step, second-by-second, and, uh, just get really excited about what's going to go on on the court today. Yeah, man. Well, we did it after a while, then. Pretty unpredictable season. Well, the NBA Finals are here. With Game 1 supposed to tip off in about an hour. Uh, like I said, the storylines are like like none I've ever seen before. I mean, LeBron James was the team he, he brought glory to nearly seven years ago. Uh, where will LeBron be in the GOAT conversation if he wins a fourth ring? If the Heat win, what does it mean for the future of team building? Will Jimmy Butler keep silencing his doubters and deliver a ring? These are just a few of the storylines entering game one. So, Aaron, what storylines are you keeping an eye on and which one excites you the most? Well, you know, JJ, I've been thinking about this for the past few days and uh, two really stand out to me. Uh, the first has to do with Jimmy Butler. Uh, joined Miami uh, over one year ago now. It's hard to believe it's been that long, uh, seeing that it's he's been with the, in the uniform this long, but uh, Jimmy Butler has really humble beginnings. He started out uh, in junior college, worked his way up to Marquette, 30th pick in the draft. And then he went on to have a very successful NBA career, as we've seen so far. And he's had a lot of turmoil. He's had a lot of people kind of give him these weird looks. And he's had some um, he's had some interesting uh, things happen with the teams he's been on before. And uh, I think he got miscast and misunderstood. But now that he's with Miami, he's kind of shown everybody what he's all about, which is just winning. It's just working hard. It's uh, making your imprint on a team and really showing people that you're all about the grind and hard work. So really excited to see what he brings to the final series. And then, of course, on the other side, man, we can't deny the fact that LeBron has uh, etched his name in the history books here with a 10th finals appearance, uh, you know, here in the, in the during his career. And uh, he's going to be going against his former team like you like you talked about. So it makes it even better. And uh, it, it gives LeBron a chance to prove that he can win without Spo, Spo and Riley. And then on the other side, it gives these, these guys in Miami the chance to prove that they can win without LeBron. So it's going to be a constant one-up battle. I don't need you. I don't need you. You know, I can do this myself. So those are probably the two of the big ones for me. 
Uh, but there's a ton in this series, man. Really just take your pick. And um, I'm interested to see what you think about this. Do you have some of the similar storylines or any other ones you're keeping an eye on? I'm actually really excited to see if the Heat win, which we, we, I, I think we both hope they win, uh, what it means for the future of team build, building. Because it shows mm. that, it would show that, hey, you can, like, you still need a, a superstar closer. But if you get a team that's good enough that can become the sum of its parts, it, you can win it all, especially beating a team with the best duo with such star power like the Lakers. If if the Heat manage to win, that I think a lot of teams are going to look at it and, and say like, "Hey, maybe we." Especially small small market teams, they might look at it and say, "Maybe the culture is really, really, really important, and not as much as the superstars as much as we think." So I think it, it would it would be really really interesting if the Heat win. Which I really hope they do because my God, do I do I love this team? They're oh, probably the most heat cult. They're probably the most heat culture team of all time. Like Absolutely. I know, I love those early 2010s Heat teams because well, they were the teams that made me fall in love with basketball. But those teams had you know a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour. You know, we have LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. But this team, it feels so together. They embrace each other. They they pick each other up. They demand accountability from each other, and it's it's so great to see that. So that's what that's the storyline that that I'm keeping an eye on, and frankly, the one that excites me the most. I'm, anyway, I'm let's, really, yeah, dude, I I was just thinking that uh, you know you made a great point about this this playoff run. It's a lot different from the early uh, early in the in the previous decade. Uh, and I was talking with somebody on Twitter about this the other day. The fact that, you know, there's a lot less pressure on us in this final series than there has been previously. If you go back to 2011 through 2014, uh, we were expected to win pretty much every series. Um, you know, we got there, we had the big three. Uh, everybody was looking at us like, you know, if you don't come through, it's a failure of a season. You know, even even if you can make it all the way to the finals, if you don't produce, you don't win a championship, then it was all for nothing. And the, the weight of all the expectations were almost crushing at times for the fan base and for the players. Yeah. But now that we're in a situation where we weren't expected to be here and, you know, it's a group of quote unquote ragtag, uh, you know, uh, blue collar guys that really work their way up from the bottom. That doesn't exist anymore. So if we're able to break through and even if we don't, it's been a successful season and just the team atmosphere where everybody just genuinely loves being together and they root for each other. It's so refreshing, man. I just love the dynamic, and it makes me think of, uh, you know, even though this brings us some pain, uh, the 2014 Spurs, you know, they were just oh, yeah. team ball, and they just beat you with that ball movement, you know. So it's it's a great time to be a Heat fan, man, and it's it's the most enjoyable run for me uh, in about 10 years that I've been a Heat fan, which is saying a lot. So yeah, really yeah. great times right now. Absolutely. And speaking of those 2014 Spurs, I, I didn't really think about it. Yeah, the, this team reminds me a lot of, of that team. I mean, I didn't hate that team. I, I hated that they humiliated us in the finals, but right. I didn't hate that team. They were they were they were so motivated that I just respected the hell out of them. Like Yeah. Like the fact here. that they came back from that soul crushing loss in that the year before, which any team would have folded the next season. Like it's it's hard to describe in words how soul-crushing it must have been for that team to lose those 2013 finals. And then they come back in 2014 and just take the league by storm and they, they just go on this revenge tour all season long with one with one objective, beat Miami in the finals. And they did that. Yeah, they sure did. Most respect to them, man. They, they set the blueprint. They set the precedent for what's going on here in Miami. So as much as I hate to admit it, I'm sure you do too. <laughs> uh, they they were the predecessors for for our kind of culture and the kind of team ball we're playing. So hats off to them, and um, we we um, we we owe them a lot when it comes to um, who we're playing like and how we're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's move on to the regular season meetings between the Lakers and the Heat. The Lakers beat the Heat in both of their regular season meetings, with the latest one being an, a thriller. Jimmy Butler actually got fouled in that final three point shot attempt, according to the last two minutes report the day after but we're not going to talk about that because the team is radically different after that uh, December game with the Crowder and Iguodala trade so yeah it's very different and Crowder and Iguodala provide us with more bodies to throw at LeBron which is 
which aside from the Clippers, we're probably a team that has that has the most chance of success against LeBron. You you truly cannot stop him, but if you slow him down enough, then I think it's fair game and make his supporting cast, which frankly this Lakers supporting cast is aside from AD, obviously, it's not very encouraging. We've seen Denny Green struggles throughout these playoffs. KCP can be can sometimes knock down every shot he takes. Sometimes he he can't he sometimes he can buy a bucket. Then you got Kyle Kuzma who can sometimes play like he can play terrible. Sometimes he can play good. So if you slow down LeBron just enough, not stop him because no player can truly stop him, then I think we have a fair chance. So before we get into potential strategies, can you tell me how much of an impact both the both Iguodala and Crowder have had in this playoff run? Well, both of these guys, man, they're just so versatile when it comes to defending. Iguodala in particular, uh, we've seen it uh, when it comes to stopping LeBron James. Well, not really stopping because that's really an impossible task. But when it comes to slowing him down, that's definitely something that Iguodala has done. And that's a big reason why he won finals MVP in 2015. You go back and look at his defensive impact. And it's something that we hadn't seen to that point before. We hadn't seen somebody be crowned finals MVP based on their defensive impact on the game. So that told me a lot about what he can do on the court. And then, of course, Jay Crowder. Uh, I was reading a piece today by Nakias Duncan uh, for Basketball News. Um, He's on the Five Five Reasons podcast. I'm sure you know about him. I love his work. I love his work. It's fantastic. His his film breakdowns are incredible. His his film breakdowns are incredible. I love it, man. Like I was cool. He posted uh, how the Heat could stop the Lakers in the series, and uh, it was interesting how he talked about the matchups, particularly when it focused in on AD. Uh, the matchup that he had for AD was Jay Crowder, and initially I was kind of hesitant to kind of endorse that. But if you think about it, Jay Crowder is a very strong guy. He's very tough. Uh, and he can. He has a very solid base. So if he yeah. can push up against AD and just make him have to work and get kind of under him a little bit, have a lower center of gravity. Uh, That could really help maybe get AD away from the paint a little bit more, so he has to go into more jumpers, because that's what we have to do. Uh, AD on a a historic run that we're seeing right now, your options are limited. You really just have to force him out of the paint, force him to shoot jump shots, force him to his left hand. Same strategy with LeBron. And these two guys, uh, Iguodala and and, and Jay Crowder, I mean, they're going to be prepared for it. They're going to watch a lot of film. Um, they're very high IQ, defensive IQ guys. Uh, they know what to do. They know these guys' tendencies. So uh, they're going to be outmatched at times. Uh, that tandem can't really be stopped. But uh, they're going to make life hard on LeBron and AD, which is all you can really ask for uh, yeah. from your defender. So at least you have two sturdy, versatile defenders. And hats off to the to Heat front office for securing those guys in, in, um, in that trade. Because without them, uh, number one, we wouldn't be here. And then number two, no, uh, we'd have absolutely no chance at doing any anything against those two guys in the Lakers. So just glad we have them on the roster. They're going to be huge for us. Yeah, going back to that point that about Crowder's strength, like that man is built like an oak tree. That guy is really strong. And we saw Big him time. take take turns guarding Giannis. He held his own. Obviously, Giannis is, some, is a different player from AD. He's not that much of a threat from the perimeter as AD is because – I saw a stat AD shooting over, there was a point in time in the playoffs where he was shooting almost 60% from mid-range jump shots, which which is great because then the defense finds itself, okay, so we guard him in the paint, so we force him out to the mid-range and he still knocks him down. That's what, That's why we're saying like, they can't be truly, he can't be truly stopped, but you can slow him down, make hard, life hard for him. So... I hadn't really thought about Crowder on AD. I really thought we got to see what Spo comes up with, at least in this first game. I always, like, I still side a little bit with Adebayo because Adebayo's defensive versatility allows him to be, to bother AD more with his length and his his athleticism, foot speed, and his strength too because Adebayo's a really strong guy. (laughs) Let's not forget about that. For sure. And I think he can bother AD effectively too. But Crowder, uh, Crowder can really can be a really good option for that. So that's what I like about this Heat team. We can we can throw a lot of guys at those two at those two players. So we can like stagger those minutes. So we can like say, okay, 
uh, Crowder can guard AD for a couple of minutes. So because we know that LeBron and AD can draw a lot of fouls, so we don't want Bam getting into foul trouble because then our offense could suffer from that, and then right that's where the problems begin. Yeah, and JJ also another point. Uh, I think it's um, it's we we should be careful not to look in too much at the individual matchups, man to man matchups um, for us against the Lakers. Because also you got to think that Miami plays more zone than any other team in the league. Uh, yeah. So in those situations, it's not going to be a direct matchup. It's going to be more of like you know just play in certain situations, play in your area like the zone um, defense dictates. And then also, even in man-to-man, Miami does a lot more switching uh, than we did before the trade. Uh, before the trade, uh, you know, it was more of a conservative approach when it came to playing man-to-man. Uh, but now, you know, as we saw in the Boston series, I mean, we switch almost every screen now. And that's yeah. um, possible because of guys like Jay Crowder, Iguodala, Jimmy Butler. So when we have that going, uh, we don't necessarily have to stick Jay Crowder on Davis and say, hey, you're going to guard him and have fun. There's going to be exactly. help. There's going to be zone. There's going to be switching. So um, that's definitely going to change up the matchups a little bit. And it's going to help us give us some different looks. Like you can't give either guy too much of one defender. It definitely has to be by committee where they see a different body every time down. That's really going to help us kind of throw them off their game a little bit, Make maybe make them a little more inefficient. And that can really make the difference in the game. What I would really say to be careful with the switching and the zone is that I saw a tendency in the Boston series. Boston will... They didn't have the big man to punish us. Well, Ennis Kanter had some some moments there, but sure. the back line sometimes can get exposed because if you switch it, if you make him switch long enough, you're gonna get stuck in the back line with Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic. So right. those two are those two guys are guards, and well, they can rebound effectively against guys like Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee or AD. So we gotta be careful with that. I suppose Bo is gonna adjust the the heck out of that because he's the best coach in the league. I, mm-hmm. I think after these playoffs, I, I feel pretty safe saying that he is the best coach in the league. No offense to Greg Popovich down in San Antonio or, <laughs> or Nick Nurse up there in Toronto. But I would say Eric Spolstra, would, but he's going to create this an incredible game plan. I actually expect Miami to beat the Lakers in game one, as we have seen in this playoff. The Lakers, historic, like, in the first two series, they they played like trash in their first game, and then they yep. bounced back for bounced back for the rest of the series. But those were against some significantly inferior opponents because the Blazers, as we all know, they were a little bit they were they were gassed because they fought so hard to get into the playoffs that when they got there, they were just out of out of gas. And then the Lillard injury and the team was not very good defensively to begin with. Then we move on to the Rocket series where the microball experiment basically imploded in that series because the Lakers basically exposed that. They just went, they said, hey, we can go small too, but we can do it better than you. So, yeah, I would say watch out for game one because I think, I don't think Spo is going to throw the kitchen sink at them in game one, but he's going to throw, he's going to throw them off and it's going to be, Gonna be really fun to watch. Definitely, and LeBron is one and eight, man, in game ones in the finals. I just saw it on Twitter earlier. So we also have that that little stat working for it in our favor. LeBron might kind of use this game as like a a scouting game, just to kind of see what he's up against, and um, maybe kind of hold back a little bit. But on the other side of the equation, he did go for fifty one. Uh, the last time he was in the game one of the finals against the Warriors. So uh, if he <laughs> drops anything like that. Uh, we might be in for a long game. I'm just going to put that out there. I think that's, in my opinion, probably the the greatest effort I've seen a player have in an oh, in yeah. an NBA game. For sure. Like, the superhuman. That was him against... There were some times that it looked like 1v5, and he just took it, took it to them. Didn't matter. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the 305 Culture with J.J. Rivera. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, and Cavalier Central. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. Hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel. Featuring the best minds in the game, 
from grassroots to the NBA. I want to highlight a stat here that I saw on Twitter earlier, thanks to ESPN Stats Info. Since 2013-2014, there are three players that held LeBron to his lowest field goal percentage when defending him. The Miami Heat have two of those players in Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. Jimmy Butler holds LeBron to 41.2% field goal, and Jay Crowder holds him to 42.2%. So we have two of the, of the statistically best three defenders against LeBron in the league. So I think that's encouraging. As you said, the Heat don't play a lot of man-to-man. They, they play the most zone defense of any team in the playoffs. In the conference finals alone, they played 170 possessions of zone. So, and the Lakers have faced, have so far faced 30 possessions of zone in the playoffs. So that's, that's all, that's a really big difference. And I think the, the Lakers will be challenged. I saw a tweet earlier that said that Rick Pitino, the much maligned Rick Pitino by Celtics fans, actually gave, was giving Vogel some pointers on how to attack the Heat's zone defense. So let's see how it turns out. I saw that. I mean, the, the zone is going to be, both our greatest asset and on the other side, it's also going to be our greatest curse. Because uh, you think about what the zone allows, it allows three-point shots, which uh, in theory is a great strategy. I mean, the Lakers this season have only shot three of 19 from three against our zone, which uh, admittedly is against a limited sample. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's our best defense against the Lakers is to force them to outside looks. But on the other hand, it doesn't expose us in the paint. That's the biggest weakness of the zone is offensive rebounds. And even against the Celtics, which they didn't have a lot of size, like you mentioned before, in that front line, we still got abused on the offensive glass, uh, especially in, the, I think, that game six. I mean, they just really got us on the offensive glass. So if they can do that, the Lakers are more than capable of getting tons of second-chance looks and, and getting guys beat in the paint on that back line, like you were saying. Uh, if guys get switched onto them or they just don't find a man to box out. So the zone is going to be interesting. I'm interested to see how much Spoke goes to that tonight and if he uses it um, too much because it can definitely cause the defense to fold, especially if AD kind of gets in that free throw line right in the middle of the zone. It opens up so many options from passing to scoring to driving. So got to be careful with that. And um, I'm just I'm really interested to see how much it comes out tonight because it can it can win us the game, but it can also lose us the game at the same time. Yeah. Going back to the three-point shooting that you mentioned, I think that would be our best option because Danny Green has a reputation of being a sharpshooter. Well, we we know him that he's a sharpshooter. In those 2013 finals, he absolutely killed us. Oh, I yeah. think he, <laughs> those 2013 finals have made him a lot of money, if we're being honest. For sure. Because no. he, he earned a reputation. like He's a good shooter, but he sometimes goes, goes on these absolutely cold, streaks like people sometimes forget that last year in the playoffs with the Raptors he went cold for a stretch like he did here with the Lakers so let's see if he bounces back that is going to be a lot tougher for us yeah I mean I'm really hoping he doesn't uh I mean I'm going back to to Nikias's piece here on how to defend the shooters and uh this postseason he's shooting 36 percent on five attempts a game uh pretty mediocre nothing crazy uh, in the Nuggets series, on the same volume, he shot 32%. So that definitely yeah, shows that's us bad. it's it's not great, especially for his standards as a sharpshooter. Uh, so, I mean, it, but the thing is, like, we can't take that for granted. I mean, he's still a great shooter. He can definitely light us up. What we've seen it firsthand, 2013, uh, bad memories, man. I mean, I think he <laughs> set the, the finals record for threes in the series. So we definitely can't let him get hot. Uh, we're still going to have to defend him with a hard closeout, like Nikias was saying earlier. Uh, that's our best strategy. Make him put the ball on the floor. I know you noticed this, man. If Jay, if if Danny Green puts the ball on the floor, he is completely ineffective. He has no handle. Oh, yeah. He can't drive. He can't really pass that well. So if he's off the the three point line, we've won that battle. We have to go to that uh, every time. Can't let him get open looks. Yeah, we got to make him pick up his dribble because then he becomes an unfactor. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm gonna. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna hit, go for it. I'm man. gonna. Okay, I'm going to hit on some notes I saw at NBA.com. The Lakers have the best transition offense during these playoffs. They score over 23.3 points per game in transition. While the Heat, on the other hand, allow 1.17 points per possession in transition, which is the third highest rate in the playoffs. That's awful. 
Got to shore that yeah. up. As I mentioned before, the Heat have, have played 170 possessions of zone in these playoffs, which, if we're being honest, it's not surprising if you've been watching the games. Like, it's been all over the, the national media, too. Like, hey, the, they, they've talked ad nauseum about the Heat zone defense. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, the Lakers p- score 0.93 points per possession when facing these possessions. When facing, I'm sorry, we're facing zone in these playoffs, which is the third highest mark in the playoffs. Although the Lakers have faced 30 possessions of zone throughout the entire playoffs. So what jumps out to you from that, Aaron? Well, first off, they're playing the zone, but it's not our zone. So <laughs> they're not playing the heat zone. That That's something different. Uh but but seriously, it's it's our zone gives people a different look because we put our we typically put our guards down on the bottom of the zone, two three zone, which is not typically what you see. Uh, then we'll put um, guy like maybe Jimmy and uh, maybe someone like Iguodala at the top of the zone, just so they can kind of wreak havoc on that um, on the top of the zone and kind of get guys out of their actions, uh, which is definitely a different look. It's not what you're typically used to seeing from a zone. Uh, but also, I mean, the, the fact that the Lakers are scoring that well uh, when facing zone, it really tells me that we have to be careful, like I, I mentioned before, with the zone usage. Because, I mean, it could open up some stuff for, for, the, for, the, for the opposite team. And with the Lakers, I mean, it doesn't take much for them to – I mean, it could take one cut. It could take an offensive rebound. It can take uh, somebody making a play at the free throw line in that mid-range area, which is typically open. And it could really kind of destroy a defense. And that's probably what happened and what contributed to them scoring 0.93 points per possession uh, against the zone. And then also, I mean, you're talking about transition buckets. I mean, man, is there anyone better in the league, JJ, than LeBron at just trucking people and, and wreaking havoc on, in, in the, on the fast break? Like, no. I, well, I can't really think of anyone. Well, maybe Giannis. And we did a pretty good job yeah. on him. True, uh, true. Yeah, LeBron is obviously, in my opinion, he's he's still a much more well-rounded offensive player than Giannis. Sure. His ability to pass and he's and his shooting ability over Giannis is uh, over Giannis is much better. So I think True. that we have a unique challenge here. But if there's somebody that knows him inside out, it's this Heat coaching staff. So I mm-hmm. so maybe they'll try to. I saw a video the other day where the Heat actually have played some really great defense against LeBron. Well, it was a game against the Cavaliers back when he was in his second stint in Cleveland. They formed like what was an early version of the Giannis wall. Ah, it, I didn't know what you are referring to. Yeah, yeah. And, and it forced LeBron to some turnovers. So I saw that. Maybe they go back to that. We got to see what they what they do. But I, I predict that they at least try that. In this first game, because they gotta try it. I mean, throw everything at the wall. Don't hold anything back. It's the it's the last series. It's 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 the the end of the road here. And uh, I think I know the clips you're referring to. I watched those as well. And uh, one thing I noticed from those clips is that we had James Johnson. <laughs> this oh, season's yeah. well, so long. I, I kind of forget that we had James Johnson and Winslow <laughs> on our team we, at one point. We had Dion Waiters too. We had Waiters, the double agent. <laughs> yeah, the guy can. The guy can. Will get. Will probably get a ring either way. I don't. Well, I don't. I don't think. Pat. You think Miami would give him a ring? Nah, I don't think they him? do. After that, and yeah. After that gummy incident, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they will. Yeah, I would. Think, I, I, he, he left a bad taste in our mouth. I'm like, yeah, nah, he, we'll, we'll we'll keep that one for us. They. He left on pretty bad terms. Let's he just, did. Let's just keep it at that. For sure. Anyway, let's move on to what is. In my opinion, the most important matchup of this series. I'm talking, of course, about the Bam Adebayo versus Davis matchup. As we mentioned earlier, the Heat play a lot of zone, but I feel like this matchup is so so great because they're the two best defensive big men in the game. While they have very different approaches on offense, I mean, Bam will will cut you up with his passing. He'll find a cutter. He'll find a shooter. He can take. He can make the mid range effectively. He'll drive to the rim. He uses power and his has his athleticism to go to the rim. Meanwhile, we have Davis, who thrives in the post. He's one of the best post players in the game right now. He can. He's got more of a finesse game going on, but he also got the power. And I think that both players, both players, are 
robots are very well equipped to guard each other because Adebayo's strength and foot speed allow him to stay on Davis on the perimeter and he can bother him inside with his strength and Adebayo's actually got long arms with people don't he might be short but he's got really long arms he's got a nice wingspan and then we got right. Davis who has a long wingspan himself he can deflect passes he can contest shots with ease I think it will be a true clash of the titans so what do you think how do you think this matchup turns out Aaron Man, it's going to be a dogfight for both of those guys because you're you're talking about them from a physical standpoint, and they really seem similar. Uh, both can they're, handle the ball quite well. They're both uh, from Kentucky. They're both from Kentucky. We got to shout out the Kentucky guys in this series. I mean, they're making a a huge splash for that school right now. Two oh, guys man. from each team. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, but I mean, you're talking about their physical dimensions, and they have a lot of similarities. Uh, they have some unique traits about them that you don't really see from that position. Uh, Davis with that handle, I mean, Adebayo's got a handle. Adebayo's got the passing. Uh, you know, Davis has got the dexterity. They can both defend in space and in the paint. So, I mean, I think they're both going to have a tough time dealing with each other. And I wouldn't be surprised to see each of them get in foul trouble against the other person um, because of the other person at various points in the series, just because they both uh, just impose their will so well and they're both so physical. But it's going to be uh, – it's definitely going to be a clash of titans, man. I mean, for, for Bam, I think he's got to um, be willing to attack at certain points. Uh, I, I was really encouraged by the way he was attacking the Boston defense in the last series, that last game. Yeah. Uh, that really opened up. That really broke the game wide open. Like, it was it was highly contested. It was neck and neck. It was lead changes until Bam kind of took it into his own hands to really go out there and get good looks for the offense. Uh, he went away from the back-to-the-basket game, and he went to the face-up, and he attacked Tice off the dribble. Uh, at the very least, I think he can get Davis uh, into, into foul trouble doing that. I think he can get a few baskets for himself here and there. Uh, so the passing is great, but I like to see him be aggressive. And on the other hand, I mean, for Davis, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough a tough cover. Uh, just, I mean, just just thinking about how. Like when I think about how Bam is going to defend Davis, it's, uh, you know, I think about Giannis. Like we looked at those stats before the series and we saw how Bam was like the best defender against Giannis. Yeah. Like Giannis had his worst field goal percentage against him. Uh, it could be something similar with, uh, with, with, with Davis. I think he's going to have some struggles uh, because he's facing a guy that's very similar to him in build and in size and things like that. So um, hey. def- definitely going to be a tough matchup for each of them because of what they bring to the table. This just in, Sham Sharani, Sharan, I just tweeted that the Lakers are starting Dwight Howard at center in game one, and he'll spend time on Bam Adebayo. Interesting. Interesting. So, that's a new like, wrinkle to it. Yeah, I like to see, I like that that strategy. I think that's a good strategy by Vogel because he, AD won't get tired out, and he won't, he won't get in foul trouble guarding Adebayo. Right, because as soon as if they if they put Davis on Adebayo, I'm pretty sure that Spo will instruct him to attack him, get him in foul trouble. Because if we get him in foul trouble, then the Lakers they'll have to rely a lot on LeBron and playoff Rondo, <laughs> too. <laughs> True. So this insertion for Dwight Howard into the starting lineup, what that tells me is that if Miami sticks with their same starting lineup, then uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a contest of who blinks first. So each team is going into the game with their own uh, strategy. So the Lakers are going big; they're gonna try to bully us. Um, I think we're gonna go smaller. We're gonna use our passing, our cutting, our shooting. So at some point in the game, one coach is going to have to make an adjustment. Vogel is gonna have to downsize, or we're gonna have to upsize. We have not upsized the entire playoffs. The Lakers have downsized before. So. Looking at it from that perspective, they definitely have the advantage because they've played in both ways, big and small, while we've really only primarily played small. And then if we bring in someone bigger like Myers Leonard that can just throw off everything. So what Miami has to do is punish the Lakers for going small. we got to put Dwight in pick and rolls. Uh, we got to space the floor. we got to bring Drake Crowder out there. we got to bring Bam out there and force Dwight to make tough decisions while not getting out-rebounded and getting bullied on the glass. So... Uh, we're not forced to make any drastic adjustments. So I'm curious to see who blinks first, who makes the first adjustment um, substitution-wise. I don't think Spo blinks. Like, he's, he's seen, he's been in, he's faced some adversity because the Bucks 
are a really big team. The Celtics were a different challenge because they didn't have a a true powerhouse center. They had to rely on Thais. By the way, shout out to that anonymous anonymous scout that said that the Thais versus Bam matchup was going to basically a wash because Thais is much better than people realize. <laughs> yeah, great that look me, there. That made me chuckle, man. That was great. <laughs> great look. He that's an excellent look for that guy. Thank God he stayed anonymous right. because if not, he would, right. would, he would get roasted. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be able but, to show his face ever again if we knew his yeah. name. But what I'm looking at here is, okay, so they put, they're going to put Dwight on Bam. So that leaves AD either on, on Crowder or any other guy. Maybe if they switch, they can get a perimeter guy on him and attack him or have him stay away from the paint. If you get a if if they switch onto a shooter, AD is gonna have to stay on the three point line, and then the paint will be open to attack Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's a great rim protector, but he gets into foul trouble a lot. Exactly. We saw that in the in the Denver series. So if you can, and Dwight still got some some issues. He can get angry at that. You can get him. You can get him into into technical foul trouble. So yeah. if they do that, I would suggest make force the Lakers to switch. And have AD be a perimeter defender instead of a rim protector, which is where he's most effective. He's pre- he's still a pretty darn good perimeter defender. Don't get me wrong. That's why he he's one of, he's a first team all defense player. But if you get him a sh- on a shooter, he can then stay out of the paint entirely, and then that opens up the driving lanes for Dragic and Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler is so great at drawing fouls that I think it will be. It will it will be really tough for Dwight to not foul him. True, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a, a really tough battle here for us, just from an offensive standpoint, because they do have two big bodies. So doing what we what we do best, which is attacking the rim, drawing fouls. Jimmy Butler, like you said, is is an expert at that. It's gonna be tough to do that consistently because of the size. So what I'm thinking is, if we continue to shoot the way we have against Boston where we're seeing sub 30% percentages, it's an L. Like uh, That's just the way I'm looking at it because we, we have to knock down those looks because the pain is not – it's not like we're going to play, be playing Boston where you, you get through Jason Tatum or, or, or Brown and you have open look. Like Tice is pretty good rim protector, uh, but the Lakers have two of those guys. So you know we're going to space them out. We can definitely bring AD out a little bit, but I think the foul shots and, and just the points in the paint are going to be harder to come by, especially, especially rebounds. So, I mean, if that three ball isn't falling at, I want, I, I want to see at least 33, 34% from three. I mean, if that's not the case, uh, I think it's going to be a long game for us. It's not going to give us a great chance of winning. So, um, really, really got to key in on those three-point attempts. And it's got to start falling like we saw early in the playoffs. Or it's going to uh, it's gonna be a long night for sure. Yeah, I think if we get the crowd, uh, depends on the crowder we get. I think that crowder is the most crucial part of that strategy. If we get yep. the Crowder from the Milwaukee series, then we have ourselves a series. For sure. But if we get the Crowder from the Boston series, then we might uh, be in trouble. Yeah, because that wouldn't be a good look. Boston basically hit Kemba on Crowder and dared him to shoot. They and said, it hey, man. a lot of the time. And a lo- <laughs> it worked because Crowder, they, they, they played the tendencies. They said, hey, this guy will get cold. Yeah, sure, he, he's hot right now, but this guy would get cold. Because if we have seen something historically, is that this guy does get cold. He can't keep this up. Mm-hmm. So what happened, he couldn't keep it up. And the Celtics, well, they didn't beat us because right. we're, we're the heat, damn it. But That's right, tell them. <laughs> but it caused some problems. And I, and I think against the Lakers, they're not going to let us get away with that. No way. No way. So I mean, that's that's the that's the so the thing about the Lakers that's that's a little different from Boston. Boston had some inexperience there. Uh, we were able to force them into a lot of threes, especially down the stretch of Game Six. Uh, fell right into our strategy. I mean, they took the shots we wanted. That's that's why we're in a zone in the first place. The Lakers won't do that. They're not going to just cast from three the entire game. They're not going to bail us out. They're not going to miss layups <laughs> like Gordon Hayward and Tyson. And, and even Tatum, like, did you notice how many layups Boston missed uh, during that series? I was just kind of yeah. blown away by I remember, some of those chippies they missed. I remember a sequence where I think it was, I get them confused sometimes, but it was Robert Williams 
he missed like three layups in that same sequence. Yeah. He just kept grabbing offensive rebounds, but he couldn't finish. And I was no. like, well, looks like some NBA guys are going to have to do some layup lines at practice. Nah, the Lakers are not going to have to worry about that. They'll just dunk it. You know, Davis Braun, they'll just dunk it. So yeah. that's going to be a different beast entirely. It also it also presents a particular challenge where you're facing probably the second greatest player of all time. Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, and by the way, so something that that I've seen it, but I haven't really thought of it, Spolstra has beaten Vogel in every se- playoff series he's been in. But Spolstra had LeBron on his side. Now the tables have turned, and Vogel mm. has LeBron on his side, and Spolstra is the one who has to coach against LeBron. But Spolstra in this instance has a unique advantage, and it's that he knows LeBron. He knows his weaknesses. He knows he knows that he's not Miami LeBron anymore, although he has he has shown some level of athleticism and his his defense is back. In the in these plays, he's been incredible on defense, big time. As, and Very as a impressed. rim protector, he's been, he has been really good. Mm-hmm. But I think that Spo holds that particular advantage in that scenario. So I want to go over some yeah. keys to the series. First off, we gotta limit the Lakers' points in the paint. I think that's pretty obvious. I've highlighted in my articles for Late Show Life. Go rate that, please. They are the best shooting team in the restricted area in these playoffs. They convert over 70% of their shots. And the and the Lakers, the Lakers scored 88 total points in the paint in the regular season series against us. So that's mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comment on that, Aaron? Uh, I mean, it really just goes back to what we're trying to prevent this team to do, uh, prevent this team from doing, and then, of course, what they do so well. Uh, that's a great key to the series. I mean, it's going to make or break us. Uh, that's that's what they do extremely well. Uh, you know, of course, they, they lead most teams in points in the paint. Uh, and then, of course, in frequency, because they have two dominant post players in Davis and Braun, and then, of course, you have a guy like the, Dwight with, who thrives under the basket, has no outside game whatsoever. So he's going to get all his looks inside. So, I mean, it just kind of – it's very simple. you got to box out. Uh, you have to close off the paint. You have to help each other. you got to be willing to stunt. you got to be willing to dig. Uh, that's something else that Nakaya has to point out in his in his articles. I mean, you'll see Duncan Robinson or you'll see Kendrick Nunn or someone like that dig down to help when somebody's about to drive. So by doing that, I think we can limit some of those points in the paint and limit their percentage a little bit more. I mean, even better than limiting percentage is limiting attempts. Like if they don't shoot the ball in the paint, that's a win. So we don't even have to deal with them making a crazy shot. So uh, I would look at their frequency over percentage. Because uh, if they don't even shoot there, that that's definitely uh, another paint point that can't convert. So that's going to be huge for us. I mean, that's what that's what stands out to me. Just got to keep them out of there, period. Although that's easier said than done. Yeah. Also, I want to want to say, in pick and roll situations, we're probably going to see the Heat drop in cover in coverage instead of showing up. Because oh yeah, got the drop. Lakers. The Lakers don't have the shooters to punish you. LeBron can hit, can get hot. We saw in that closeout game against the Nuggets Heat. Oh yeah, he, but hey, I think that's just a case of LeBron being LeBron. As I said, he's in my opinion the second greatest player to ever live. So Agreed. those are Agreed. things that you got to live with if you're facing him. But there, I feel like the Heat should keep dropping in coverage, like protect that paint oh, yeah. at all costs. That's how the Lakers' offense functions. You'll get burned. You'll get burned once in a while, but that's. The nature of playing LeBron James, he's an incredible playmaker. But right. if you can limit those opportunities, then I think you will have a much better chance. Another key I had is to get to the free throw line, which sounds obvious, but this Heat team, especially Jimmy Butler, you can get him going by in the free throw line. You can put the Lakers big man in foul trouble, but put McGee and, and Howard in foul trouble. And, and if you get Davis in foul trouble, though, that's even better. Mm-hmm. Although AD is an incredibly smart defender, so it's going to be tougher there. Where our, win, our, our, win, our chances of winning are going to improve dramatically. Jimmy Butler is one of one of the players that get the highest, the players that's best at drawing contact in the league. So that's going to be huge, a huge advantage for us. And the Lakers have the size advantage over us as much as whether we like it or not, because. Sure, we can throw Olenek and Leonard out there, but Leonard 
the very few minutes that he saw in that in the in the playoffs that he seen the playoffs, excuse me. He was he's not been very very good. And Olenek, his defensive issues are well documented. He can't rebound. Oh, he won. I mean, he the man can't rebound to save his life. He he, in, he injured Kevin Love trying to get a rebound once. I don't know. I don't want to see him play one second in this series. We'll get absolutely obliterated. Well, unless they <laughs> put, put Marcus, if unless they put Markeith Morris on there, then yeah. I would say you can counter with Olenek. True, true. If they go, if they go a little bit smaller. And they replace someone like Davis or replace uh, Dwight and stick a spacer out there, Markeith. That could uh, alleviate some of the issues that he deals with. But, but yeah, I think overall, I wouldn't want to see him out there too much because I me mean, against Boston, he didn't really look great. And I'm sure he won't look any better against the, the freaking Lakers. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the Lakers perimeter guys will target him every single time if he's on the floor. So that's a problem. Definitely. Can't give him another target out there because they LeBron seeks mismatches better than anyone. You see what he does against Lou Williams. Uh, you see what he does against like Jamal Murray and, and guys like that. So he's 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 a he's a heat seeking missile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah. you can't give him something to kind of feast on or something to to kind of latch onto or he'll 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 take advantage of it every time. So Aaron, do you have any other keys to the series? I mean, ah, uh, keys to the series, man. Uh it's 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 going to be big for us to really just I would say also with the turnovers. I mean, it kind of goes back to uh, the transition game of the Lakers you spoke on earlier. Uh, live ball turnovers are absolute uh, killers. Uh, we even saw that against Boston with with Tatum and Brown that really allowed them to get going. It was a big reason why they went on that big third quarter run that really sunk us in Game Five. Yeah. So I think it's even more paramount in this series to limit turnovers to take care of the ball. Um, and then on the other side of the equation, to even force turnovers. I mean, the Lakers aren't great at taking care of the ball. So if Jimmy and, and, and Iguodala and those guys can be aggressive and really be intentional about keeping the Lakers out of their comfort zone, forcing those turnovers, uh, it's going to give us an even better chance. Uh, can't allow those guys to get too many possessions because that's just too many opportunities for them to impose their will and their talent advantage. I mean, they do have the talent advantage. You've got to just call it like it is. So uh, just taking care of the ball, man. Taking care of the ball and, and, and feasting on their uh, tendency to cough up the ball a little bit. So if we can do those two things, I think it will also be key for us in at least grabbing a couple wins, if not win the series here. Yeah. I want to add to that point that, sure, they have the two best players in the series by a mile. I will not I – will, I won't deny that. But I will say that we, we have probably the next five or six best players in the series. So I think that could tip the scales a little bit in our favor or at least balance it out. I think you're right, man. Depth, depth does go a long way. And it's been, but although it's been a while since we've seen a team with just sheer, this, this much sheer depth kind of go at it without the star power. Uh, recent examples probably only include the Spurs, the Mavericks, and the 04 the, Pistons. Um, the Pistons. But, of course, two of those teams beat LeBron. So, I mean, that's definitely a good look for us. The, hey. the Mavericks and, and Spurs found a way to do it. So, why not us? What if that's the blueprint? <laughs> that might be it, man. They might have been onto something. We just kind well, of follow their lead and just ride it into another win. The other blueprint might just be to have the greatest shooting team of all time and add Kevin Durant. That's the other blueprint. That works, but- too. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm pretty sure that people can do that. So we'll we'll settle for Plan B. Yeah. Well, Aaron, predictions. Uh you want it from the heart or from uh, <laughs> the logical <laughs> side? I give you, I can give you two two answers, man. From the heart, uh, Heat and Six. <laughs> from my <laughs> mind, from from the from the from the analytical standpoint, and just the the way I'm kind of churning the gears up here in my head. Uh, Lakers and Six. And uh, it it kind of I'm kind of torn on this because I definitely think we have a shot to win it. Uh, I don't like people saying it's a it's a guaranteed Lakers win because I do not believe that for a second. Yeah, Lakers uh, Lakers Twitter is is annoying me a little bit. Not gonna lie, oh, that's what they do, man. It's like they're they're they've been in obscurity for for years and they've been going through it and they get a little bit glimmer of hope here. They get one good playoff run and it's like we're unbeatable. You know, like you can't be taken down like we're at the top of the world. So, uh, you know, that's typical Lakers nation for you. 
but uh, I definitely love for us to win this series. Uh, official prediction, well, Lakers in six. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. Uh, I've been oh, wrong man. about almost every series so far. I was wrong against the. Uh, I was wrong about the Bucks series. Uh, I had Bucks in six. Or no, yeah, Bucks in six. And although I did pick us to beat the the Celtics, so I redeemed myself a little bit. But we'll we'll see how it goes, man. I mean, I feel like I can't lose um, Heat Nation until I die. Uh, but I'm also a big LeBron supporter, and I appreciate what he did for us in, in South Beach. So if he brings him another ring, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too upset, man. Honestly, like yeah, he's he's LeBron James, you know. <laughs> what can I you have, do? I have a unique dilemma because I write for the Lakers, and ah, I'm a Heat you're, fan. You're torn too, man. You got a similar. <laughs> oh issue. man, I have I've, I've been debating <laughs> this for the last couple of days, and uh, the conclusion tough. I reached was, hey man, it's a win-win for me. I that's love the way I'm LeBron. Yes. I love LeBron. He's yeah. my favorite athlete ever. And I would absolutely love that he gets a fourth ring because I think it puts him, in my eyes, it puts him a lot closer to MJ in that GOAT conversation. And I think Definitely. that fourth ring would give him a lot, would go a long way. I would still not put him over MJ, but it's you're gonna it's going to get pretty darn close. Big time, man. It's The debates are going to be even more fierce and intense if he grabs that ring. I put out a poll yesterday, or I think it was the day before, saying if um, you know he grabs that ring, finals MVP, maybe he gets a few more accolades under his belt, he's going to be the GOAT. People are still saying no. I mean, there was about 58% of people saying no, and he never will be. So maybe people just have it in their minds that uh, MJ is um, just, just a basketball god and cannot be surpassed. Uh, but either way, I mean, it's going to be a very close debate, as you said. And uh, we, we can't lose, man. Either we get our, our one of our favorite players to win or we get our favorite team to win. So it's, it's going to be fun either way. With that being said, oh, man, I've got Lakers in six. But in my heart, <laughs> in my deep love for this team, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm saying heat in, heat in seven. We're on the so, same page, man. Where yeah. We have we have two different two different uh, thought process going through here. You got you know you, you have your your heart what your heart tells you what your gut tells you. Uh, you have what your mind tells you uh, from from gathering all the facts and looking at all the data. So uh, it's a tough position to be in, but at the same time, it could be worse. I mean, we have two two great uh, two great two great options here, alternatives. So uh, we're gonna be in good shape, man. Um, when this all is all said and done. Yeah. I've got LeBron winning finals MVP, although I wouldn't be surprised if AD or Bam wins it. If the Heat end up winning, I think Bam wins it. I could see that. I could definitely see that. That would be a yeah. pretty, pretty cool story. We'll move on to a very quick topic here. As we all know, well, those that follow the NBA, Doc Rivers got fired from the, from the Clippers after another Three, blown 3-1 to lead with an absolutely loaded roster, the Clippers finally <laughs> moved on. I personally would have would have moved on after that 2015 debacle. That was horrendous. Yeah, that was horrendous. Yikes. But I think I think he's a good coach. He'll get a job somewhere else or on TV. But I, for sure. But really, what's really got me thinking is what does it mean for the Sixers and Rockets head coaching search? Because now there's yet another head coaching vacancy in the league. And it's probably one of the three best teams in the league. So how does this affect the Sixers and Rockets head coaching search? Well, I think it gives them another option. And I mean, talk about a great time to be looking for a coach. You have some great names out there. You have Alvin Gentry on the block, Kenny Atkinson, Doc Rivers, Mike D'Antoni, Nate McMillan, Brett Brown. Those are some big names. Those are some really good coaches, and some of them have been in their coaching positions for for many years. Doc Rivers, D'Antoni, uh, McMillan. I mean, they've been there all been there multiple years. Brett Brown been there quite a while. So you're getting coaches with a lot of experience. You're getting coaches with a lot of respect around the league. So with these teams, I mean, it's going to be a tough decision to make. Specifically, specifically for the Rockets and the Sixers, it gives them an the opportunity to make a pretty big swap. Um, so they can really change their identity a little bit with a new coach. And then, of course, they can definitely uh, just kind of maybe get a slightly different look, keep the same strategy. It all depends on what they want to do. 
but in the end, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the deepest classes of just really nice coaches that I've seen in a while. So, uh, they definitely have some options and, uh, it's kind of like a deep draft if you're a team, like yeah. you feel good about having a lot of options. Um, you know, and then that's, that's what you want if you're looking to make an upgrade. So these teams yeah, are going to have some great choices, man. I would say that the head coaching vacancies, they're probably all very enticing. You've got the, oh, yeah. the clip, you've got the Clippers, one of the three best teams in the league, the Rockets. Well, that's, that one's not as appealing to me personally. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Those guys got a really dark timeline ahead of, ahead of them if they don't win it, if they don't win a thing. Yeah, that can get bad real quick. That can turn into Sixers 2.0 in a few years. The Thunder, who have a very bright future ahead of them, they have some nice building blocks there, and they have a great GM. Then you have the Pelicans, with probably the most exciting building block, although I would say Luka surpasses him, but they've got Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball there. So you've got the the young guys there, and a team that I feel like could make the jump into the playoffs next season. And then you've got the Sixers, who are a team that I feel can contend. They were a victim of bad front office management and some bad coaching in some situations. But I think that team, with the right coach and the right management, it looks like El- Elton Brand is going to get full control of the front office. It apparently He didn't apparently have full control of the front office. So, well... I don't know what's going on there. I don't work there. But according to multiple reports, they gave him full full control. So let's see what decisions he makes. First order of business is going to be get get out of that or either the Tobias contract or the Horford contract. Yeah, they're kind of handcuffed right now. But I think that this team can be really good. And I'm going to predict the for the Sixers and the Rockets, I think D'Antoni ends up in the Sixers. The, that would be... That would be so fascinating because yeah. that team goes against everything he believes in. So either he's going to have to shift everything or that team is going to get overhauled big time. So well, I would love to see that work out. We'll have him beat shooting 30-footers, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Turn him into uh, to, to a bigger version of, of, of Harden or, or something like that. Why not just, I think just try anything? A D'Antoni offense would unlock Ben Simmons. That's my opinion. Oh, that would be phenomenal for his growth. Man, he because would love that. I'm pretty sure that they're going to make a trade. They have to. They have. Yeah, I agree. So I think healed, body healed from the Kings makes the most sense for this team. But I could see them going another way. But if they get more shooters and they get a D'Antoni offense, I think Ben Simmons is going to be a really good, really good player next season. Oh, yeah. And Everybody's listening to this. Keep an eye on him for your fantasy team. If you end up playing fantasy next year, his numbers are going to be ridiculous. So put him on your radar right now. And for the Rockets, I'm going to say Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell has been an Ooh. assistant for very long for a very long time. He's well-respected around the league. Some people, some people, like, they concentrate a lot on the X's and O's, but I think a lot of coaching is matching people and garnering respect. I think Cassell going back to the Rockets would be a great story. He's beloved there. That would be cool, man. I haven't really thought about Sam Cassell at all. That's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good name drop right there. More people should be talking about him as a, as a possibility. I mean, a lot of yeah. people respect him, and uh, I think he's a pretty good player development coach and, and all that good stuff. So I'd love to see him in there too, man. Definitely. Yeah. And for the Clippers, a bonus, I think they go with Lou, Tyron Lou. I think so too. He that's already. Just- he already knows the the team. He's a championship coach. Maybe he can he can do a a year long stay stay here pitch to Kawhi and PG. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think they would really mind letting PG go. <laughs> I wouldn't. Pandemic P. Yeah, we, we can we can do better. <laughs> that that we guy was better. an MVP candidate last season. I cannot believe how hard. Uh, how hard he's fallen. A year makes a ton of difference, man. Just look yeah. at just look at the heat. <laughs> Huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Tenth seed last season on the verge of playing the in the NBA finals. Aaron, before we close this out, plug in some of your work. Where can people find you? Yes, sir. Well, uh JJ 
first of all, thanks again for having me on this podcast. Great time. Love what you're doing with the Heat, uh, the, the 305 pod here, man. Um, looking forward to listening to future episodes. And, you know, I'm always down to, to join the Heat podcast here. Got to represent our guys. But if you want to check me out, uh, feel free to go to BC Basketball 2 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the, the podcast is Business Casual Basketball. Also have a website, bcbasketball.info. Looking to get more content on the site very soon. And uh, we drop podcasts every Thursday at 5.30. So we have a new episode coming out, coming out tomorrow. It's going to be some reactions to this game one tonight. So feel free to check us out there. I know your favorite uh, streaming platforms such as Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. So thanks again, JJ. Had a great time, man. And um, hope to be talking some more ball with you, hopefully after a win tonight, man. Let's go get oh, game man. one. Go Heat. Aaron, I had a great time talking ball with you. Absolute pleasure to have you join me. Anyway, thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA Finals. See you next week. Peace. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.